0: Welcome to your mind is trying to kill you podcast. Join your host Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host Alexandros Megas.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the 42nd episode of The Infamous Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I am your host, Alexandros Smegas,
0: And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne.
1: And today we are going to attempt to respond to some questions that we received about a topic that uh, is an affliction and mind affliction for, I would say most of us, but the truth is all of us. And that is, what
0: is that my friend? That's the concept of um, imposter syndrome. And uh, the idea that we don't feel worthy to move beyond uh, where we currently are, to go in a new direction, to take on new challenges. We feel that we, I suppose, we're conditioned to stay in our respective boxes. And as soon as we start to um, move outside them, it's a bit like uh, stepping out on a, on a window ledge. Um, should I actually be out here? And maybe I should just crawl back in in order to be safe again. So um, it comes up in many many uh, situations, uh, whether it be career moves, whether it be changes in your lifestyle, uh, whether it be dealing with medical issues, lots of different scenarios. So it, as a coach, it's something that comes up um, for me personally. I remember when I changed, uh, significantly changed career from the whole accounting and finance side into into coaching. um I certainly had it for a long time and I spent my time going around trying to accumulate qualifications and certificates in order to validate whether I was justifiably calling myself a coach. So um, I understand it completely and working with people, it comes up a lot as well. So yeah, I remember a guy who ran a company which was pretty decent in size um, had about 30 people working for him and he said... Um, I'm not a businessman, I, I'm just an electrician. Um, and despite the fact that he had this business built over 15 years and uh, had become very successful at it. So I think even when the evidence is staring us in the face, we still have this imposter syndrome coming up. Right.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a sneaky one, isn't it? So, of course, the most obvious question to ask here is, why is that happening? where Where does this imposter syndrome come from? And uh, based on everything that we've talked about on uh, this podcast, right? Uh, it would be also obvious to conclude that this imposter syndrome is a problem of the subconscious mind. It is a it's a program. And a very vicious one at that because it sneaks up on you when you least expect it. And it rules and ultimately could ruin your life. So what does it say? What is that program? If you had to sum it up in one uh, short sentence, what do you think that program would be? Fear, fear of change. Fear of it's uh, an additional, I guess. You, fear, definitely fear. But uh, what is the summation of of that condition? I'll uh, I'll help you out. Give me give me a hint. <laughs> it's uh, it's the thing that most of us, mo- all of us, I think, at some point, think when we look in the mirror.
0: I'm not good enough.
1: No, I mean, <laughs> that's right. I'm not good. I was going to say, when I look in the mirror, I think to myself and I say to myself, you are the most unapproachably attractive human being that I've ever seen. <laughs> right? It makes sense. <clears throat> yes, you're right. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I'm not good enough. I am not good enough. This thing is so insidious. And so demonic, one might say in its nature, that uh, it blan- it's a blanket statement, you, you see, because uh, when you say I'm not good enough, if you, if you allowed your yeah. rational part to do its work, when you said I'm not good enough, you would ask the, the very s- the next question would be for what? I'm not good enough for what? For whom? Right? But because this is such a deeply rooted and generational program, because let's not forget, programs, these programs, this conditioning, as my shamanic slash magical background would claim, of course, I think that the hypnotic background would Claim that as well, but it's a little more shy when it comes to making cl- such claims. I believe that this conditioning is generational because it pa- it's passed on from parent to to child, uh, and it's passed on. You see, the, the 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 shamanic approach would be it's passed on through DNA because. the the DNA collects, right? The totality of who you are at any given point. So if you pass that, it's like, let's use the most appropriate uh, example these days, right? It's like a virus. (laughs) So when you pass it on, you pass the totality of that thing onto the the next host. And of course, if you don't want to go there, If you don't want to go there, all you have to do is just consider what happens when you're born and raised by the parents who gave birth to you, right? What happens? I mean, they pass on all their anxieties, they pass on all their fears, they pass on all the programs or the belief systems onto you. They do that, if not genetically, if you will, they do it psychologically. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, by their, their behaviour, by their actions. And uh, given that we learn from modelling what uh, people of authority uh, and influence do, um, obviously we pick up that kind of programming too. And I, I think it's added to as well, um, not just the idea of not being good enough, you also get messages which say, don't stray too far because we want to keep you safe so you you're getting two pieces of the the jigsaw fitting together. you're getting a message about staying safe so don't stray and don't don't go into don't take risks and then you've got the other one which is inherent um as you say, whether it be genetically or through behavior which is that none of us are good enough and even when we achieve um there are many people who will achieve practically, whether it be in business or in sport or in arts or whatever, and they still don't feel good enough. It's like as if they're defined by their work um, or they feel they need to be defined by their work. And if their work isn't good enough, they're not good enough. So this idea that actually it's an inside job is something that most people, they might intellectually acknowledge that that's the case, but in terms of practice, they, they don't actually go on like that they they don't live like that it's um that the idea of feeling good enough is an internal thing they always feel that it needs to be validated from the outside like getting the successful business like getting the beautiful partner like getting the um the certificates on the wall or the validations from other people um unless they have those they don't actually feel that they can say to themselves, I'm good enough. So it's coming from everywhere. Exactly. So <clears throat> if
1: not, then just as you said, the the rational, the rational thinking, the critical factor, as we would call it, plays no part in this. Because it doesn't matter what the your rational understanding is of that, because the rational thinking is a function of the conscious mind and as we have explored many times on this podcast the conscious mind has zero has zero power over forming shaping your behavior so <clears throat> i'm not good enough is a blanket statement an umbrella statement that follows you around so the thing is this: you just mentioned that these people that are afflicted heavily by this mental virus, they do what they do, and even if they're famous, they don't feel their work is never good enough, ever good enough. Right? They don't. They, which which means that there is some kind of hypothetical standard here that they. They're trying to match, which of course is not. That's not a, a, an intellectual. It's not a rational thought. But the program says, the the program says that no matter how high you get in your achievement, it will not be enough, because that's why. That's why I called it in a, a, a demonic affliction. That's an analogy that I'm using. Why? Because you would expect that. Uh, you know how a demon would trick you and and uh, uh, try to mess with you all the time, right? Every time you achieve something, every time you go up a bar, you know the the standard keeps on raising. <laughs> so it's like it's an impossible thing. So you you can never feel good about what it is that you're doing. It's like uh, like I've seen mo- like models, like really Im- stunning kind of. Uh, Physically stunning women that they think they they look like shit. They, think they look horrible. You see that that's that's how crazy that thing is. It's really it's it's insane. So why is that happening? And what what is it in essence? I mean, yeah, we called it. We said it's a program. But if you think about it, I'm not good enough. Is what? What is it? It's an affirmation, right? So this is another testament of how massively powerful affirmations are. Because, of course, uh, consider that this affirmation has been performed and compounded over years and years throughout your life and on a daily basis. And as if that wasn't enough, It's it's got reinforcement from everywhere around you. (laughs) If, If you forget to remind yourself that you're not good enough, the tribe is sure to. And of course, there are different reasons why the tribe, the tribe being your immediate family or your immediate environment, the cultural circle that you are brought up in, To them, I mean, they don't always do it because they want to ruin you, you know. But they think, as you said before, they think they're trying to protect you. Just like every time that the subconscious mind creates a limiting belief. And we talked about those guys as well twice, I think. So the limiting belief is that I believe that I'm not good enough. That's that's what it is that uh, it comes down to. And the tribe knows that if you're not good enough, you will not stray. You will not step out of your boundaries. And your boundaries are your safe space. So if you don't step out of your safe space, then you are most likely guaranteed to stay alive and unharmed.
0: And, and stay part of the group that also stays protected by virtue of the fact that everyone stays inside the safe space. Absolutely. So, what happens here
1: is that in that attempt to keep you safe, that's, that's the mother, by the way, that's the mother instinct. Uh, there are two, of course, amazingly powerful and opposing forces in the family unit the mother is a nurturer, and it's the, uh, that force of safety and security and nurturing. So the, the motherly instinct is by definition, and I don't, I don't want to offend anybody but what I'm going to say right now, but it's, I'm sorry, it's what it is, right? It's a definition of creating limits creating boundaries, which is very important, of course, that's also important, because there is a time that those boundaries are necessary. When you're raising a baby, you can't have the baby just wander around, you know, in the woods, right, By, by themselves, there is a time and a space for this kind of behavior. Now, the nurturing aspect of the mother will stay, and have you stay with her in the womb, if you will, and the expansion-driven nature of the masculine, of the father, will have you be progressively more and more seeking to expand your boundaries. That is to say, to overcome your limits of the moment, and then, of course, move that bar uh, further and further away as, as far as you can possibly get it in order to progress, to evolve. So what we do here is we are dealing with uh, the, of course in this society, the the problem, the additional problem that we have is that the, the fatherly, the masculine um, approach that I just mentioned, is almost obsolete. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but... Uh...
0: Yeah, what, com- what comes up for me there is that a lot of these instincts that we talk about in terms of the mother protecting the baby, it's it's literally about keeping the baby physically safe. And in terms of what you talk about, the masculine, it's about that child learning to learning the skills to survive. So they're quite primal and quite basic. But I think where the difficulties are, much the same way that we've learned to create boundaries for ourselves that, where we say that we're afraid of something. And the fear, the feeling of fear was originally instilled in us in order to keep us physically safe. And now we talk about fear, about fear of answering the phone or fear of putting a post on social media or fear. And we're, we're using similar terms and we're having feeling the same emotion about something which actually is of no danger to us at all. So I think what's happening in terms of um, because we've become so comfortable, um, relatively speaking, over the last 150, 200 years, We're not now trying to survive anymore, not from a physical point of view. We're not trying to save ourselves and wild animals and and all of that. We now have such so much more comfortable life that fears and protection and all that sort of stuff has now moved into areas which have nothing to do with threats to our lives. But actually, the same emotions are being passed on from parents, from people in authority, that you have to protect yourself, you have to mind yourself. But it's not from anything that's likely to be a physical threat to us. It's more likely to be putting ourselves out there to be criticised by talking in public or on a stage or singing a song or something like that. They tell us not to put ourselves forward because we might be disappointed in the same way as they tell us not to go out into the woods in case a bear eats us and they create they use the same emotions uh, in essence to convey um, messages that when we internalize them we were afraid to do anything even though it's no threat to us right of
1: course so what happens in uh, in this society see that was as you very brilliantly Pointed out the consequence in this in this society the consequence of over overcoming overriding the program uh, of don't should dare you're not good enough of a hunter you're not good enough of a survivalist you're not good enough a warrior if you step outside there you're gonna get killed we don't want you to be killed we love you that would have been the consequence way back then. But that's not the consequence in this society. And the consequence is overly uh, exaggerated, right? So we think emotionally, of course, subconsciously, we think that if we do that thing, we are going to be in big trouble. Uh, We're gonna be in exile. The tribe is gonna say, who do you think you are? Ah, we talked about that. What do you you think you are? And you will ask that question to yourself and not find a sufficient answer. And then most likely go back into the the womb, the proverbial metaphorical womb, being there by yourself, uh, safe under the blankets. If I don't act at all, I am not likely to make a mistake. If I don't move, I'm not likely to fall and hurt myself. And that's the deep subconscious drive that uh, the imposter syndrome creates. It's the, that kind of virus that somehow becomes sane in our minds. If I don't move, I will not fall. But that that is where the sentence ends. You see, there's no, you don't, if you continued the sentence, then you would see that the consequence of not moving forward is far worse than falling. Because if I don't move, I will not fall. But if I don't move, I will become an atrophied sack of shit that cannot move even if they wanted to, which means I will become dead in, for all intents and purposes, you know, mean? Right? You were going to say something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the fact that, as you said, if we don't examine the sentence or finish the sentence, um, or we don't examine what we're actually saying, um, we we essentially accept a generalization. It's a little bit like people saying, I'm not confident. I mean, what is that? I mean, you're confident to get out of bed in the morning and you're confident to put your clothes on and you're confident to make breakfast. But when you say I'm not confident, usually it's in relation to a specific thing, but we use the generalized term, so therefore we never explore it anymore. We never say, I'm not confident speaking in public. OK, well, that's a skill. So let's work on building that skill. Um, but we just put ourselves into categories called I'm not a confident person, which is complete nonsense. And I think in the same way, when we talk about this imposter syndrome um, or I'm not good enough, we use generalizations and we never really examine them. We never explore what that means. What's the specific situation in which we feel not good enough? Is it uh, related to how we look? Is it related to uh, how we perform in school, how we perform in work with people in relationships? You know, there's so many different aspects to the question of I am good enough or I'm not good enough that because we don't ask, we can never, challenge and therefore we can never get better. We can never um, uh, do anything about it. So to me, to me, the big issue here is that while we have this message, which is the top line one, which I'm not good enough, or I feel like an imposter, the real tragedy is that the next line down should be, well, what do you mean by that? And let's get more specific. And because we don't do that, we just stay where we are. And we accept the generalization that's right and we we accept because that is the easiest thing to do
1: that's mm. because that doesn't involve any uh, energy it's okay that's i'm just gonna stay right here Right, right i'm just gonna stay right here so i had this um uh, this insight while i was uh, taking a shower earlier this morning because I do sometimes take those, you know, I just wanted to let you know. Good. <laughs> uh, and what came to mind is that thing that we've all experienced. Have you ever looked into older pictures of you? You know, like, I don't know, like five years ago or four years ago, or even one year ago. And look at these pictures and you think, oh, I looked so good, right? I looked so good there. But if you could mentally go back in that moment where you were, where that picture were taken, you would have never thought that, right? You would think, I look like shit. Look oh, at me, I look like shit. Oh, man, fuck. I look fat. I look, <laughs> I look old, right? Do you relate to that? Yeah. So, yeah. we all do that. We all do that. So, the fact here is that every time you look back, I mean most for most of us, I guess, every time you look back, you see someone that you like. You know, at least on a on a physical level. I looked good there. Oh, look, I look, yeah, I really look good. Look at that. So why is it that at that moment, when you acknowledge that you look good in the future, why is it that in that moment you didn't think so? Right? It's the same concept because that thing is rampant. It's just eating away of our life force uh, and, and our magic. Because that's our magic, of course. So I'm not, I'm not good enough now, but a year from now, looking at the now, I will say, oh shit, I look so good. Yeah. Which, which means what? Which means that, to me, this is living proof. That in the now, when you think that you're not good enough, you're wrong. This is a lie, and it's always a lie. And going back to what I said before about the the analogy with the demonic influence is the lie. If someone wants to break you down, what do they do? They try to convince you of the fact that you're not good enough. If so, you know, if someone wants you to submit, like if you if you go to like a boss that is like an asshole boss. Uh, and uh, you're like, you, you go for like I I don't know, like a raise or or you want a different position. As you want to evolve. You want to see yourself doing better at your job whatever it is that you're doing. The asshole boss will be like, look at you. Like, Who do you think you are? You're not good enough, my boy. Why do you even think that you deserve to step up? Right, So it becomes a thing of the oppressor to remind you every chance they get that you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not creative enough. You're not capable enough. You're not skilled enough. You're not anything enough. Because if I want to put you and keep you down... I have to. It's, it's my biggest, greatest weapon to use to convince you that you're not good enough. And of course, you're not even good enough to use your own critical thinking. As we have done everything we can as a society and a government and a corporation, whatever, to convince you that you're stupid, you're unintelligent at best, And of course, you have no knowledge. So if you have no knowledge and you're unintelligent, you best stay where you are and let us do the heavy lifting here. We'll, we'll do the work. We'll tell you what you need to make your health, you know, improve. We'll tell you what you need to, to, I mean, even, even in in this country, you, you can't even, if you have a house, the way that you're, Front yard looks. Of course, thank God I, I'm not subjected to that kind of thing because nobody sees me. You know, I live in the woods. So, but they tell you what you can and you cannot plant. In in like, if I wanted to put tomatoes on my front lawn, in some places, in some areas, they will not let you because they'll tell you that will degrade the value of you know your home, and therefore you know, will will degrade, will bring down the value of the adjacent homes and and properties. So, you can't even control that. Because you don't even know what you need to do in order to raise the value of your property, right? You don't even know that. You don't know anything. That's what it comes down to. You don't know anything. So if you don't know anything, you need someone to tell you what to do, what to think on a a daily basis, every step you turn. And so what have we just illustrated here? We've illustrated that the imposter syndrome is either purely created by this environment that either by default... Or by design wants to convince you fully, create a belief, firm belief in you that you are worthless and should not move one step from where you are right now. Because not only, you see, are you endangering yourself, but you are endangering everybody else around you. So the burden keeps on getting heavier. so how and that's the biggest question of course, how do we deal with that? What do we do to bur- to release ourselves of this burden? Now the most important thing as far as I'm concerned, is awareness knowing because you know most people haven't uh fully internalized the fact the insight that they feel like that. Most people just accept this by default without even questioning it. Like there's nothing to question because it's the truth. So when you start questioning stuff, as we have uh, encouraged many, very many times on this podcast, when you start questioning things, you start realizing soon that the answers are not adequate that come up. Why are they not adequate? Because they're not true. The answers are made up. If what I believe about myself is not true, then I won't be able to prove to myself that what I feel is real. So if I feel I'm not good enough, and I keep asking questions, why am I not good enough? Right, right, but you know, here's here's of course the trick that once we establish a belief, and which of course is a limiting belief, what happens next? What happens next is uh, we we are on our way to manifest manifesting land, right? This is what we do to manifest. We have talked about that as well. I am manifesting the moment I establish a belief. I am on my way to manifest. What does it mean to manifest? To create a 3D representation of my thought form, of my belief, of, of, you know, that (coughs) concept. So, if I give that Guy, that uh, concept, some energy. What happens to the concept? It's it's like it's like an entity. It's like anything. It's like a plant. Right? It starts growing.
0: <clears throat>
1: it starts growing, and what it grows is that thought form, that manifestation, that is a reflection of what I believe, and so if you i know you have something to say give me one second mm. so what happens is then if i for example if my belief is if my belief if my imposter syndrome says uh i should not go on youtube and put out uh you know videos or whatever because i'm not good looking enough right then if I start there and start feeding this concept on a daily basis, I get to the point where I can prove to myself that this is true, right?
0: Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, um, I actually started reading, um, a book that I'd, I'd had, um, for quite a while, uh, the other day, and, uh, it's, um, it's about a, the turnaround of a a project's um uh, and and i think it was in florida somewhere in south florida um and uh, this particular place uh, essentially had i think it was about 200 women they were all single mothers um and in and around there was drug dealing and all kinds of stuff prostitution um and really dangerous place as well And uh, the the approach, which had been taken up until um, they started to make some progress, had been that they thought that they needed to give people jobs. They needed to give them opportunities to. So they created a store and they put product in. So it meant that people didn't have to walk too far in order to buy their goods. And they gave jobs to a number of the women in the uh, in the development. Uh, to try and get them a sense of using money, have a greater sense of themselves and sense of responsibility and worthwhile um worthfulness I suppose. Um, but it wasn't working. Um, people came and they went and you know the, the thing just wasn't working as a as a concept. Um, and the way that the the city was talking was, you know, you have to give people jobs in order to give them self esteem and you know all this kind of stuff. So the guy who um, came in and looked for the opportunity to do something different, um, he, he said, no, we have to change people's thinking about themselves before we can expect them to look at these opportunities. Because as far as they see, even though it might be simple to you or I that giving them a job in a, a general store um, isn't much, isn't a big step for them to take, in their heads, it's a huge step for them to take because they're still at the point that they have believed all along that they're just shit and they don't deserve anything and they're incapable of doing anything useful or practical so so he worked he ran a program whereby he started to get them to change their thinking about themselves and gradually through people learning more about themselves and learning and changing their thinking uh, into believing that it was possible, they then started to take up the, the opportunities that were being presented and they stayed in them and they went forward and, and people from it went to college, um, got even better jobs, You know, their kids started to go to school all that sort of stuff. I mean, it was a a transformation which had people from the outside scratching their heads saying, how the hell has this worked? Because nothing like this has ever worked like this before. And it was predominantly down to that one approach, which was we have to get people thinking about themselves better, more positively, more constructively in order to expect them to move forward rather than just put a whole load of Inverted commas opportunities um, in front of them and expect them to take them up and and benefit from there. And while some people would have done that, the vast majority didn't. So it was it it was it's just interesting as you were as you were talking there. This was coming back because I was I was reading reading the book last night, and it was exactly that change your thinking move from this place of I'm feeling shit to at least I'm not feeling shit uh, about myself, and all of a sudden opportunities start to appear and you feel more confident and you're able to move forward. That's right. So in essence, what we're talking about
1: here, we're talking about manifesting something. Once again, it's a manifestation process. How does that work? You keep feeding the thought form, and the more you feed that thought form with energy, how do you feed it energy? your emotional uh, approach to it, your emotional state. Which is to say, if you look at something with anticipation, with excitement, with love, uh, with creative force behind it, like for example, let's say you are shopping for a house, you dream you want to get your dream house. And But you don't have very, very much money. And you find that place in the middle of the woods. And it's not perfect. It's not exactly how you would want it to be. But the moment you see that, something clicks inside. And what happens is immediately your imagination, which is the most magical force in the universe does what? It starts projecting in your mind's eye what this place could look like, right? So, this is feeding that thought emotional energy. And the more you do that on a daily basis, the more this starts manifesting. Like um, I, what I did these, these few days... I realized that there's a lot of junk in my, uh, you know, in and around my house, my property, because you know it's very easy to to fall into this trap when you have no one to tell you, you know, oh, don't put these boxes in front of your house, you know, because <laughs> because it's illegal, you know. And of course, no, no, there's nobody to tell me where to put my boxes. All of a sudden, because you know, you do things on a daily basis, and you. Rush and you do whatever, you're like, oh, this box came in, you know, a new print, you know. Open up the box, put the box aside, and get occupied with uh, something else, and the box stays there. And then the next box comes, <laughs> the next day, and then before you know it, there's 20 boxes sitting there. So, it becomes the, the, the moment that that thought arises, the creative thought, that creative thought for me was, or insight rather, I might say, was you have to get rid of the crap in and around the house. You have to put everything in order again. So immediately, of course, this happened in the first place. Why did it happen? Because I have trained myself to be emotionally affected by my surroundings which means what i would look a, a for some reason you know cuz that becomes um initially it's not very clear cuz you know you're busy throughout your daily life but you feel like shit like it's something that is oppressing you something that that make you know it you just put you in a bad mood and then for me the very next, when that happens, because this is not, I have conditioned myself to know that this is not a natural state of being, right? For me to be in a bad mood. So when I find myself in a bad mood, I start, you know, examining, you know, it's like a computer, you go like, vi- uh, like a virus, like uh, a virus, antivirus checker. Yeah, antivirus program. Is running and say, okay, number one, what's what's going on here? What's going on there? What's going on there? What is is everything in order? And then you know, inevitably I get to the point where the question is, what's uh, what's going on in uh, is the house orderly? And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> okay, you got me there. So <clears throat> that presents the awareness that I need to now know what is necessary. To manifest the order and the, the magical feeling that I get and I got when this house was put together and uh, and reconstructed and finished in the way that made me so happy. So now my quest is, as I have this thought form, as I have this idea... Clear in my head, what happens is I receive a massive amount of energy and motivation to go at it and create that atmosphere that the end game will suggest. The end game is everything bringing uh, the home back into the form that makes it. Delicious to me. So that is my process. And I think this is a pretty good process to to follow. You start, you start with the idea of what you want to manifest. The imposter syndrome is all only good, it's got a certain amount of power, right? And it's it's finite, it's not infinite. The its power stops the moment you override it with your will. Say, meaning that even if, see this is how, you know, EFT, emotional freedom techniques, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with. um, That's how, yeah. That's how a lot of those uh, EFT statements starts, right? Even though I feel like I'm not good enough, right? I love and accept myself. Isn't that how it goes? Hmm. Yeah. So you put yourself in this state where you know... So you have to know who you want to become. Uh, the the only power that the imposter syndrome has is if it confuses you enough so that you are hazy about the image of yourself that you want to create. Because we mm-hmm. are a work in progress all the time.
0: Or, or, or you don't have an image of what you want to create, which I think is, is is a huge problem for, here we go again, most people who haven't actually stopped to think about what do I want to create um, because that's not understood to be what needs to happen in order for them to change their circumstances um, from where it is at the moment. This idea of imagining or deciding on an end game is not something that people do. I mean, and that's across the board, whether it's in their business, whether it's in their personal life, um, anything. the The closest you probably get to it is if someone is cooking and they pull out a cookbook and they see a picture of the cake that they want to actually create, or they're doing some plans for, a woodworking project or something like that, uh, or maybe even a house. Um, they're kind of used to it in those situations. But the idea that you do it for yourself um, as a as a, a constant process that you should be engaged in is not something that people do. So therefore, if you have no end game and you just kind of have a generalized statement about what you want, you know, I'd like one of those or I'd like to live here or whatever, but there's nothing specific and you haven't really given it any energy, then of course, as soon as um, the protection, the, the chattering, whatever you want to call it, comes up from within to say, you don't deserve that. You're not good enough. You kind of retreat back in and there's nothing lost because you haven't put it anywhere that you, that you wanted this thing in the first place
1: exactly so you I mean you're right absolutely uh, <laughs> I neglected to mention that uh, the the beating that most of us have taken from all the limiting beliefs and the imposter syndromes that we've been dealt uh, is so has been so severe that a lot of us don't even dare to dream anymore don't don't even dare to look for a person to become because we don't we don't even we don't even know that we can we're not even aware that this is something that can be constructed because we've been told that this is i mean this is who you are Boom, done it's like someone deals you you know and that's that's also right isn't that a statement it's a it's something people say. I've been dealt really shitty cards, right? So, so, in essence, what that means, you've been dealt shitty cards, means that this is the game you play now. So you have shitty cards. You know, and of course, you know, the, the positive, the positive um, uh, spin on this statement is that, well, you got to play them the best you can. Right? That's it. And people say that in an attempt to inspire people. Ah, you've been dealt shitty cards. Yeah, I get it. But you got to play them the best you can. Which, to me, it's not good enough. (laughs) Because this isn't a card game, goddammit. Right? It's not a card game, brother. This is a constant evolution. It's like someone keeps giving you cards. Do you understand? This, the cards are not done. You were not dealt the cards and then that's it. Now we sit on and what the fuck are we going to do with those cards? No. It's not like that. The cards keep dropping. And because the imposter syndrome says you are a fuck up, you don't you disregard the cards
0: that keep dropping, right? You don't even look at them. Does this make sense? Yeah, completely. Yeah, if you if you if you on the one hand are not given the perfect scenario, um and on the other hand you're saying I'm not good enough anyway. Well, that's the perfect perfect situation for you to go into victim mode and say I have no control. There's nothing I can do. I'm just going to have to wait for, you know, the weather to change outside for me to be able to do anything. And that just gives you the opportunity to kind of kick things to touch and, you know, let's just wait, let's not do anything, let's not move forward. So it's kind of an excuse that we have learned to use and to tell ourselves as we go forward, anytime we hit any kind of adversity or any kind of challenge or problem. So as we said at the start, we're kind of conditioned from all kinds of different angles. And as a result of it, we have nothing compelling to push us through the conditioning in order to start to reach for what we want. And the only thing, as we've talked about before, that's gonna bring us anyway close to it, is, as you said, to start dreaming, to start thinking that this is possible. And I think the other one is, as well, is that um, I think a lot of people would say, you know i don't have imposter syndrome i don't i I'm, i am good enough i'm okay when the reality is you know thousands of years of conditioning across the board no matter what culture that you're in where the same kind of messages have been put across i think we can pretty much take it that we've all been touched by that particular um message and we are impacted by it in one way or another there's some very rare exceptions but I doubt that they're um they're, they're they're too many. I think we all need to assume that we have imposter syndrome I'm not good enough syndrome in one form or other, and start from that place and go this is this is my strategy now for moving forward and for doing better based on visualization based on affirmations based on Pushing forward when you come across challenges that um, you uh, you might encounter and see them as opportunities to improve and to get better. I think that's that's what I'm taking from all of this. That that we we um, we need to just put a plan in place, assuming that we have this disease and that we need to move move forward to create something better from where we are now. Because the other thing that struck me when you you talked about looking back at old photographs and saying, didn't I look well? I think the reverse side of it would be that if you were to ask this person from two years ago, five years ago, look at where you will be in five years time, would you like to be there? They would probably take it, but wouldn't have believed that it was possible for them to be there. Dude, that's brilliant. Because that's exactly what I wanted to say next. Ah, <laughs> Sorry
1: about that. No, you didn't take it from me. <laughs> the ah uh, was like, I love it when that happens. This is synchronicity and also a, a constant reminder for me of how in sync we are. Brother, thank you. Appreciate I appreciate you. Exactly. The as as I was going to suggest that as the magic trick. You see, that that's because as above, so below, as within, so without. If I can see that happening in the past, I can take it, you know, like how it is like if you take a piece of paper, like take a piece of paper, and then you put down two points, or you put down, you know, one picture of you in the now. And one picture of you in the before that you realize you look so good. And now what you do is it, right in the middle, you score it right in the middle and you, you fold it. And then you project that same uh, idea into the future. So you fold the timeline and you project that same kind of thing into the future, which, by the way, is is a very magical way of doing things. And of course, that's why you use this with your clients as well. It's the, proje- the, the projection into the future where you see yourself in whatever, one year or six months or five years. Uh, and of course, without the context of what it is that we've been talking about, people have a lot of difficulty adhering uh, to this concept. Because they think oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, I, I, okay, I, I can see. I'm president of the United States, you know. They, they think it's a goof, you know. I think it's like, <laughs> they think it's, fun, it's just fun. It's like it doesn't matter what I think I want to, you know, be in five years, and that's of course part of the same kind of conditioning. That oh, it's bullshit, you know. I've been dealt the cards, you know. I can not just hold the cards and say, oh, now nah, I'm gonna wait. Uh, uh, Get the casino, right? And get the mother load with this car. This is a shitty car. What the fuck? Right? So, so the insidious process keeps on happening because we, and by the way, thank you so much for saying that. There are a lot of people that actually will say that to you. They say, oh, I don't, I'm good enough. And that's another massive trick. Of of the mind, so if if you were Mr. Imposter Syndrome, if you were an entity and you were inside that person, and you thought that oh this 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 person might uh, actually be too powerful and could just smack me out of uh, existence and ev- evaporate me, um, so I cannot fight them, so I will give them. The ease of knowing that they're perfectly good where they are—that's so another. See, it's—it's it's, it's got two sides. That that uh, crazy, insidious, horrible virus, mental virus, has two sides. One tells you you're not good enough. Shut the fuck up and sit where you are. And of course, it suits whatever personality you are, right? And the other one, if you're a different kind of personality, will tell you. You're perfectly good, right? Shut the fuck up and sit where you are. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so the outcome ends up being the same. You're perfectly okay. You don't have to do anything. Right? You are perfect. Like in the, in the new age approach, many times you see that happening a lot, right? You see these kind of memes and these kind of statements where you, know, you are perfect the way you are. We, which, of course, I'm not, I'm not going to dispute the fact that you're perfect. Because this is exactly what we are here to to harp on, the fact that you're perfect. But you're perfect means you have perfect possibility and perfect uh, mm. ability to become as awesome and as perfect and as different mm. and as however, you know, whatever it is that you dream of that's what it means when you when we say you're perfect right because it's the same way we say to our child right you say you go to your child and hopefully (laughs) you'll be like you're amazing you are perfect right What that doesn't mean stay a child forever right no it's it means you have everything you need to grow into whatever you can imagine whatever you can possibly desire to become. That's what it means when we say you're perfect. But I mean, this is a, such a juicy concept. I, I love it. Thank you for bringing that up today. So step by step, we examine, we have to first, the first step is to, to you know, recap.
0: I don't know, but do you have uh, you have anything else to add to this? No, I think... Uh just you were about to start to go into you know give people some guidance on on how they should go about this I, I my I suppose my point would be we all have this um it's not something that you can you know take a pill and dissolve it um it's something that even though we all have it there are ways to work our ways through it and what you're about to talk about is the way to work through it. I think the most important thing you put, hit the nail on the head earlier where you said it's awareness. It's awareness and acceptance of here's where I am. Here's the starting point. The awareness is that I need to change this in order to move forward. So let's go from that place. And once you have the awareness and acceptance, not, uh, and by when I say the word acceptance, I don't mean, um, almost uh, resignation. Acceptance is just, these these are the facts, here's the reality, so how do I move forward from here? So I think if you've got acceptance and you've got awareness, then you're going to look for the ways to move forward despite this. And through doing that, you start to actually dismantle the mechanism that's causing the problem in the first place because you actually start to create new programs which are replacing... The old stuff that might be holding you back. So, so the steps that you would you would suggest? The steps I would suggest is yeah, exactly. Like you say we start with the
1: awareness, which is to say, you, I have, I have been afflicted by the mental virus of the imposter syndrome. That's where I start. I have that thing. I'm a ca- I'm, ca- I'm a host. <laughs> so, if I am a host. I most certainly would expect to start showing symptoms soon. All of us. All of us have showed or keep showing symptoms because this is one of those viruses that you can't protect against unless you take the steps. The steps are one, okay, I have that. How is that thing uh, affecting me? How is it affecting me? First of all, If I could, these these are basic questions that we can ask ourselves on a daily basis. If I could be, if I could be something, this, that, what would it be, right? You have to define, that's a clear definition of what you want. If you don't, you know, if you don't, that's the very basic part of manifestation of of what it is that we uh, become. Intent. Right? Like if you go, if you don't, if you don't know if you go to the supermarket, if you don't know what you need for your house, you're gonna end up buying what? A whole bunch of crap you don't need. And advertising is placed in, in very strategic <laughs> positions. <laughs> While you're listening to the BGs, you know, you're going there with your cart, and you're feeling so good. You know, it's it's such a oh, I feel so I feel, I don't know why. I just feel so good. <laughs> and then, let me get three. Different types of detergent here for a reason that I don't know, but something inside me tells me that I should. You see, when you don't have the intent, when you have not chosen where you would like to see yourself on the next level, then that position will be chosen for you. And that is the tragedy of a lot of people's lives in today's world. Uh, if you don't choose, let's let's say, you know, like it's a matrix type thing. If you don't choose who you become, then the system, something, will choose for you. And then you will succumb to uh, this kind of conditioning, this kind of uh, uh, brainwashing, this kind of um, marketing, um, this kind of programming, whatever. And you will become that person, you know, like a f- mindless consumer, you know, whatever. But that is that is a, a state of being. And make no mistake, you have participated uh, in that. So number one is intent. The intent has to be very solid, as solid as it can be, right? Uh, as uh, we internalize that intent, we start... Dreaming, daydreaming about it. You know, like you found the house. You know you can afford the house now. But it doesn't quite look the way you would like it to be. What does that entail? You know what you would like it to be. So, you are that house. You are that potential dream house. You are that potential dream house. So, all you need to do now is to keep Imagining what you need to do to that structure in order to make it exactly the way that you would love it to be. And once you have solidified that uh, awareness level, then you start by means of synchronicity and by means of inner motivation that just comes out of nowhere, it seems. Taking those steps, one after the other. Because that becomes a new belief now. Uh, As the previous constant insidious affirmation is taking a step back with every step that you take forward. So, with every step you take forward, imagine that entity being, uh, metaphorically, of course, that entity being the imposter syndrome, uh, it starts being, you know, like someone stabbing it like what, once, you know, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, you know, and, and that is every step you take forward. So with every step you take forward, you find yourself somehow a little more motivated, a little stronger, a little more clear on the fact that, oh, yeah, shit, I can see that. I can totally see that. Me being that, it, I can see that. The moment you're able to see that as a possibility is a clear indication of you being successfully creating a new foundation for that new building that you're manifesting. So you keep reversing the effects of the imposter syndrome and you reverse them by declaring something new. You declare something new in the same way that they say, you know, if you want to fight that um, poverty, right? You don't go out there. Poverty is bullshit. You know, give us more money. That's that's what you do. You start ignoring that poverty part and start building on prosperity. You do not care to fight your enemies. Your enemies like, oh, Vincent is an asshole. Look, this is ignorant. Don't listen to him. Now, Vincent, who knows who he is and even more importantly knows who he is becoming, doesn't pay any mind, pain mind, right? To these statements. Instead, he grasps, he takes that energy, he takes that stone that is thrown at him and he puts it down on his foundation for the new him we don't oppose our naysayers we don't oppose anyone who doesn't agree with us and who wants to attack us we just keep becoming stronger within our own space Right. It doesn't matter what the uh, the concept of improvement is. It could be like, oh, I could only make eggs, and this week I made uh, a stew. <laughs> right. I learned how to make a stew. Look at me. And you know, if I mean, think about it. Like right? people say, oh, I can't. I can only cook coffee. You know. <laughs> right. Uh, there are so many people, I can't, uh, I, I just can't cook. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a co-. But, like, how hard would it be to follow instructions and create a meal that would make you proud every week, like once a week? And within like three weeks, you would have a repertoire. Of meals that you can be proud of. you like, oh, I have like 10 meals that I can create. I can create a different meal every day of the week. And dazzle and uh, make my surroundings, my happy, my family, my friends, whatever, happy. With this culinary magic. Uh, this, is, this is what my wife did just a few months ago. She started baking. Not to challenge herself, mind you, because, you know, in her, it was that kind of projection. You know, I wish I dot, dot, dot. I wish I knew how to dot, dot, dot. And after that statement came this flame, you know, it's like igniting a flame, right? It's, it's like, you know, when you try to light up a, a fire in the woods. What do you do? All you need is a match and the proper amount of little, you know, little sticks and whatever, hay, whatever, paper. All you need is that that initial ignition. And then what do you do, brother? What do you do after that? You keep feeding it. And that is uh, my view and my experience of how
0: to battle the imposter syndrome. I think that, there's, a, there's another element to it, which I learned recently, which um, related to how you instill habits. And that is that when you do something to, when you do something successfully, whether it be your doodles or bake your cake or whatever it may be, that you, you give your subconscious a message to say, yes, look what we did. And it's a it's a form of kind of celebration to, to almost say, we want to do more of this, look, look how this has made us feel. And given what you have on numerous occasions talked about in relation to the subconscious and the fact that it's just a child that just wants to be praised and just wants to do things that it likes, if you give it back the sense of um encouragement and joy and the stimulus that you get from completing whatever it is you started out to do, then that child is going to want to do more of it and is going to want to build on the idea that this is actually good for us, um, which by doing that, as you say, is is putting a knife in the back of the imposter syndrome program, which it would have been running before and stopping us from progressing. So the idea of celebrating and acknowledging copper fastens the idea that we want to do more of this and we want to progress and we are actually successful and better at stuff than we've said that we are before. So absolutely.
1: This this was thanks for clarifying that, because this is the point behind feeding the fire. That's how you feed the fire with encouragement and with celebration. Uh, You celebrate that every moment and everyone knows who's ever been a kid and who has kids, of course, that this is the best, very best way to create an excited child about something and hopefully about something that is creative, that is constructive, that is about learning and becoming more skilled and... uh, more equipped, more powerful, more, more. <laughs> more whatever it is that you need that child to be. <clears throat> so there you go, my friend. I don't know. I, I keep having... Talk about manifesting, man. I, I keep trying to manifest like a a 45-minute episode and it just never happens. You see, We overexcited
0: our subconscious, my brother. We did. And given that it's the last one of the year, we, we were going out with a bang. Oh, my God. Yes. Good
1: point. Thank you for pointing that out. That's awesome. Yes. So, let's then... Oh, okay. I will state this now. Our next podcast next week, we will talk about what happens in the beginning of every year. Resolutions. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love it. One of my favorite topics. So, yeah, that's a great, great way to end the year. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for applying any of those little tricks of the mind to create a new environment that will allow you to not be subjugated by yourself, by your own conditioning, first and foremost, and, of course, By anyone around you that would attempt to do so so thank you guys thank you my friend thank you vincent for all your support i mean we yeah i love thank you as i said gratitude major gratitude i appreciate you and uh, i appreciate everyone that um, listens to us or watches us and uh, let's let's start creating that little figure that little voodoo, because that voodoo can be for good also. It doesn't just have to, you know. You don't just use it for curses. You can also use it for blessings. So let's starting let's start to create this new us. At the the end of this year, <laughs> this tumultuous, this whatever you want to put in front of that word. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I love how you think. And uh, we will see you next year. <laughs> yeah. And as we always say, until next year.
0: Let's be careful out there. And don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show, and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.